This is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network. Welcome to the Flourish at Home Show. Your host, Mary Jo Tate, is an international book editor, the homeschooling mom of four boys, and the author of Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms. Mary Jo loves to help moms find peace, order, and balance by sharing practical tips, inspiration, and encouragement. Visit her website at flourishathome.com. And now, here's your host, Mary Jo Tate. Hi, I'm Mary Jo Tate. Welcome to the Flourish at Home show. In our last episode, we talked about the first three of the seven planning tools that I use to balance all my responsibilities as a busy mom. Those were the big dream, yearly goals, and monthly calendar. If you missed that show, you can find it in the archives at flourishathomeradio.com. Today, we'll look at tools four through seven, weekly plan, daily tasks, running to-do list, and stop doing list. Tool number four is your weekly plan. This is the key to my entire planning system. Even more than the daily tasks, this is where the rubber meets the road. Most people tend to think naturally in terms of weeks, and a week is the most strategic unit for good planning. A month is too long, and a day is too short for the necessary combination of big picture and detail. I love Father Tim Cavanaugh's perspective on weekly planning and Jan Karen's delightful book at home in Mitford. Monday was the diving board poised over the rest of the week. One walked out on the board, reviewed the situation, planned one strategy, bounced a few times to get the feel of things, and then made a clean dive. Without Monday, one simply bombed into the water belly first and hoped for the best. As you create your weekly plan, you'll look at each week twice, just as you do with your yearly goals, once looking ahead to plan and once looking back to review and evaluate. The weekly plan includes the same categories as the yearly goals, personal, family, business, service, and reading. Using these categories, especially the first three, helps you see the balance or perhaps the lack of balance in your life each week. You won't always have a perfect balance among the categories, and it's not just about the number of items in each group. Some weeks will necessarily lean more toward business, family, or personal commitments than others. But if you have 25 items in the business list, 5 in family, and 0 in personal for several weeks in a row, you're headed for burnout fast. This system may seem simple, but it's surprisingly powerful. One of my coaching clients told me, Normally, Sunday nights had become a time that I absolutely dreaded because I knew they preceded Monday morning, which I dreaded even more because I was always behind the eight ball because the list looked overwhelming. By dividing it up as you taught me, I was able to better portion out the work I needed to do for the week into each of these individual categories. As she learned, just half an hour of weekly planning will multiply your productivity and relieve stress and frustration. So, how exactly do you go about planning your week? First, be sure to include the important things, not just the urgent things. The list does not include every single thing you will do in the week, just the must-dos, the date-specific commitments, and your top priorities. Avoid the temptation to cram too many things into one week. Leave some margin to deal with the unexpected. You don't have to include established habits such as brushing your teeth or going to church because they are already a natural part of your life. When you are working on forming new habits, these items need to go on your list until they become solidified, probably for at least a month. Don't try to establish too many habits at one time, though. 
focused on one or at most two new habits at a time. Start including go-fors as well as goals on your weekly plan. Goals are promises that you make to yourself, while go-fors are things that you'd like to accomplish that week, but you know they're going to be a stretch. You want to strike a balance between being realistic, setting goals you're pretty sure you can accomplish, and stretching yourself a bit by thinking big. You don't want it to be so easy that it's no sweat to meet your goals. But on the other hand, you don't want your goals to be so optimistic that every week when you evaluate whether you met them, you're constantly writing no, no, no. You want to see mostly yeses on there. If you're consistently failing to meet your goals, either something is wrong with your execution or with your goals. Post your weekly plan where you can see it and mark off each goal as you accomplish it. The key is evaluating at the end of the week. For each goal, ask yourself, did I do it or didn't I do it? This is not about excuses. It's just about whether or not you did what you said you were going to do. Write yes or no after each goal on your list. If you completed only part of your goal, such as walking only four days instead of the five that you planned, make a note of that to remind yourself that you didn't ignore the goal entirely. Also, be sure to add a note about any significant things you did that weren't on your plan. Keep this record in a binder as an encouraging reminder of what you've accomplished. It will also be helpful when you do your yearly review. I spend about half an hour evaluating each week and planning for the next one. Sunday afternoons are the best time for me to do this, but you might prefer Saturday or another time. You can use whatever day and time works best for you, but it's best not to wait until Monday morning or you'll start your week already behind. Find a time that works for you and make it a habit. Since I began using this system several years ago, there have been only a few weeks when I've not done this weekly evaluation and planning because I thought I was too busy. What a mistake. The time I thought I saved by not planning wasn't really saved at all. It was squandered and more than offset by the resulting frustration and inefficiency. I've learned, no matter what, never skip your weekly planning. Do your best to meet your goals, but remember to be flexible and open to God's leading each day. Proverbs 16.9 reminds us, The mind of man plans his way, but the Lord directs his steps. One mom told me, I get the greatest satisfaction from sensing that no matter what did or didn't get done on my list, I have followed God's plan for the day. That's a wonderful attitude, isn't it? I may post that above my own list. The fifth planning tool is a list of daily tasks, which is based on your weekly plan. This is the most detailed of all the lists. It includes everything that is time-specific, as well as your other priorities for the day. For example, running errands wouldn't go on your weekly plan, but it would go on your daily list. My list for one day might include activities like coaching a client, editing a manuscript, making a hotel reservation for an upcoming conference, reading a chapter of a motivational book, going to a dentist appointment, and grocery shopping. Your list will look different, of course. You might want to arrange your list by time, priority, category, tasks that require leaving the house, tasks that must be done at a specific time, or any other grouping that is useful for you. When you plan your week, that's a good time to make a preliminary task list for each day. Be sure to review and update each day's list the night before so you can hit the ground running the next morning. The more you tend to procrastinate, the more you need to schedule your tasks for specific days or even specific times at the beginning of each week. 
If you would like to be more flexible, you can choose each day's activities from your weekly plan as long as you have the self-discipline to finish everything within that week. I've experimented with working straight from my weekly list, but a daily list forces me to make more conscious, intentional choices about my time and to allocate my priorities more effectively. Experiment to find out what works best for you and stick with it. If there's an item you didn't get to on the designated day, reschedule it for another day. If you keep rescheduling the same task over and over again, then you need to reevaluate it. Do you really need to do it at all? Can you eliminate it or delegate it to someone else? Or are you simply procrastinating? Keep your list where you can see it and mark things off as you complete them. I keep my daily task list on my desk next to my computer. Unlike the yearly, monthly, and weekly planning forms, you don't need to keep this list as an ongoing record. It's simply a working document that you can throw away when you're finished with it. The daily decisions about how you will use your time are where you really have to fight off what Charles Hummel calls the tyranny of the urgent. You have to resist the ongoing temptation to cave in to whatever is urgent and to let the important things slide. I love this reminder from Annie Dillard. How we spend our days is, of course, how we spend our lives. Be sure that you make each day count. The sixth planning tool is a running to-do list. It's simply an all-purpose, temporary holding place for unloading your brain so it won't have to spin its wheels reminding you of all the things you need to remember. Write down absolutely everything you need to do or need to remember, no matter how big or small, no matter whether it's a short-term or a long-term goal. Keeping one master to-do list is much more efficient than jotting notes on random scraps of paper. You won't have to keep wondering, now where did I write that down? Anything that you can't take care of right away needs to go on this list. My running to-do list includes things like books I want to read, downloaded teleseminars I need to listen to, details about an upcoming scout camp out, ideas for birthday and Christmas gifts, websites friends have recommended, upcoming editing jobs, and projects I'm considering. Some of these ultimately end up on various project-specific lists, and anything that eventually gets done moves to the weekly and daily list. But most things that don't have to be done right away park here for a while first. I used to have one long, overwhelming list. Finally, I wised up and realized that the same five categories I use for all my planning would work there, too. That's personal, family, business, service, and reading. I keep the top priorities for each category on the first page. This list will work only if you review it periodically, preferably at least once a month. My running to-do list once got to 18 pages before I got serious about evaluating it. If something stays on there too long, maybe it's a sign that you really don't need to do it after all. The seventh planning tool is the stop doing list. This balances and offsets the running to-do list. It's absolutely imperative to make decisions about what is and is not worth your valuable time. I first got the idea of a stop-doing list from Good to Great, a fabulous book by Jim Collins. He did a five-year study of companies that shifted from being good companies to being great companies. He discovered that the companies which moved from good to great did not focus principally on what to do to become great. They focused equally on what not to do and what to stop doing. Implementing a stop-doing list was one of the keys to growing my business. The year when I doubled my income and won a business growth contest, I cut out several of my least profitable businesses, including some things that I really enjoyed, 
but I saw that they were not the best use of my time. Eliminating these less important tasks freed my time and energy for more important work. As you dream big and set goals for accomplishing new things, you simply have to cut out some existing obligations and activities. My book, Flourish Balance for Homeschool Moms, includes a detailed time budget exercise that helps you identify what you can eliminate. Every choice you make has a potential opportunity cost. Whenever you choose to do one thing, you are choosing not to do everything else at that time. Edit your life to make space for what's really important. It's wonderfully freeing. As you incorporate all seven planning tools into your life, your yearly, monthly, weekly, and daily goals should flow directly from your long-term vision. So with all these tools, where should you start? No matter what time of year it is, if you haven't already completed the Big Dream exercise, I recommend that you schedule a couple of hours for it within the next week. Once you finish that initial exercise, you will continue to refine and expand your dream for the rest of your life. Meanwhile, you have to decide what to do this week and what to do today. The weekly plan is the main point, so begin that right away. Don't wait for Sunday. Go ahead and plan the rest of the week starting with today. Then, this weekend, begin to establish the habit of weekly review and planning at a regular time. Once you have your weekly plan, you can begin allocating daily tasks. Within a week, you should have at least a preliminary big dream in writing. Then you can create a list of yearly goals for the remainder of the current year and begin building your weekly plan based on those goals. After you've completed your big dream exercise and you've written goals for the current year, both of which focus on the big picture, create your stop doing list and your running to do list, which focus more on the details. One mom who began using these seven planning tools told me, These tools have given me a whole new mindset and have helped me to live more proactively. Before, I had good intentions and good plans, but they would often be derailed by life. I feel more in control now, and I'm able to work out the nitty-gritty details much more easily. I'm no longer as apt to drop the ball of planning ahead and working my plan. I hope that these tools will make a big difference for you as well. If you'd like to get my customizable planning forms free, you can visit my blog at flourishathome.com for a free ebook from Frazzle to Focused, Seven Planning Tools for Busy Moms. Or if you want my entire system, which goes far beyond these seven tools, you'll enjoy reading Flourish, Balance for Homeschool Moms, which is available through my website and other online vendors. I'll see you next time on the Flourish at Home show. Thanks for tuning in to the Flourish at Home show. For more encouragement, visit Mary Jo at flourishathome.com. The Flourish at Home show is a production of the Ultimate Homeschool Radio Network.